I know what you're thinking. We are so close to the Politics and Sex Conference that you're not sure if you're going to be able to organize your schedule to be able to be there in person. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Become a club member today because all our club members will be able to stream the conference live while we're there in person. You'll be able to stream it live through our club portal. Go to fightlifefeast.com today and become a club member. In addition to the live streaming that you'll get, you'll actually be able to participate in all the premium content that our club members already get. So become a club member today. Thank you for your support. We love our club members, and we hope to see you online at the conference. You said chirp. I did. I did. They're not chirping, obviously. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. We are live in La Casa. Las Casa, Tennessee. Las Casa, Tennessee. It is 8 p.m. You're not going to say it right. I just know it. It's good to see you on the West Coast, all the way to the East Coast. Good to be live with you guys right now. I'm here, of course, with Pastor Toby. Chuck Knox. I'm the water boy. And this is Forrest. I keep wanting to say Forrest Gump, but that, it's not. Cooper! It's Forrest Cooper. And he's tougher than I am, so I shouldn't say Forrest Gump. He can beat you up. Yeah, don't say Forrest Gump. Don't. Yeah, I mean, at least be more original. <laughs> that's, you haven't met that's him, true. have you? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no. Yeah, no. We're going to go with no. Get used to that. Get We're used to that. Just going to be no. that way tonight. I'm stuck in kind of this, you know, 1997 Dumb and Dumber groove <laughs> to uh, <laughs> what, uh, 2002, um, what was the, uh, I don't know. what was it, was it? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, yeah, no. That's we stopped at. There's about Dumber. a five year groove where I'm stuck. Yeah, we, really Dumb and Dumber. Really Dumb and Dumber was like a five year phase for me. This, this, this is what it comes down to. I'm really glad we had this conversation. The foundation has taken root. Well, it is good to be in Tennessee. Our conference here is actually starting, kicking off tomorrow. Tomorrow. We had the um, uh, wonderful opportunity to actually go on Fearless with Jason Whitlock earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was a lot of fun. So if you didn't get a chance to catch uh, Fearless uh, with us on Jason Whitlock, and he also had... Delano Squires on Oh, my goodness. He was great. (laughs) Dropping bombs. And then uh, Steve Kim. Steve Kim was on on a Jason Whitlock show. The great idea for Monday Night Football. I think that's a winning idea. You got to watch it. I'm not going to spoil it, but it has something to do with Michael Irvin. It has something to do with America's team. All right. Okay, whatever. Yeah, game. thank you. Uh, but but it. I think Uncle Jimmy kind of stole the show with his uh, little impersonating. And Michael Irvin. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, that was that him. was kind of that was kind of awesome. That but, was a lot of fun. But yeah, huge thanks to Jason Whitlock for having us on. That was absolutely. That was such an honor to be there with him. Okay, so um, uh, tomorrow's beer and psalms kicking off oh, yeah. in in Lebanon, and then uh, Friday the talks. Saturday SWAT talks live show with Vody Bakum, Doug Wilson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, and, you know, we rented a big place, and if you're just sort of sitting there on the fence thinking, you know, do I need to homeschool tomorrow and, and Friday or not, the answer is no. Just just jump in the car and just drive on over. We give you permission. Yeah, you can do it. Labor Day just happened for homeschoolers. <laughs> uh, so to bring in Forrest here, uh, Forrest, I'm just going to gonna take it over and introduce no, Forrest. No. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Actually, my phone's Forrest, good, yeah. okay, perfect timing. Uh, Forrest Cooper, he's a former Army Ranger and the 666 team leader. I mean... Three seven five. I, I read that long. Team leader, private security work. Studied philosophy and theology under Dr. Walt Schultz. Wow. Uh, present um, presented at the American Theological Society on PTSD. I need to connect you with my friend Jeremy. Remind me when we get off. Uh, digital editor of Recoil Magazine. Working on a book on masculinity uh, next year. That sounds oh. like a kind of beta way of actually talking about that book. 
<laughs> this is called brand sabotage. <laughs> it's coming out next year. Yeah. Oh, coming out next year. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it it sounds like a. Uh, um, what do you do when you delay things? Right, procrastinating. Yeah, procrastinating. I've got a great idea <laughs> for a book. <laughs> I've got a great idea for a book. I'm going to do great things one Those day. Things. One next day. Year. Next year. Next year. The book's if, coming out next year. If only you knew. <laughs> this the, the the book started from a brainchild idea in 2018. So okay. Well, so there's a little truth to that. So you're hitting a little close to home, Gabe. Oh, I see. Come on. I see. Okay. Come on, ease up. Ease up. Um, okay, so so no, Forrest, tell us about your book. You, you are working on a book on manhood. Yeah, so the, the title and the concept before somebody else steals it, because that's going to be mean, uh, is called uh, Can Weak Men Be Good? It's a provocative, provocative title. Yeah. But it begins. No. Yes. I, I just wrote the book for you. No. <laughs> the <laughs> end. <laughs> Done. Uh, so I'll, I'm like the antithesis to Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink, good. Forrest Cooper, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, oof. So the idea of the book that came from, if you've read Jack Donovan, he wrote the book called The Way of Men about 10 years ago. And he makes this kind of important distinction that there's a difference between being good at being a man and being a good man. So you have capacity on one side, you have morality on another. And how we're able to kind of draw a distinction between those two and we see examples, whether it's in our own personal lives or through like film and culture of men who are good at being men, but not good men. You could even go as Jack Donovan uses people like Darth Vader, um, the gangsters from the God, uh, Godfather. So these are characters. Forrest Gump. I haven't seen the movie, so don't, 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 don't at me. That's dating myself. Um, but, so this idea comes from there's a difference between being a good man and being good at being a man. Uh, and if being a good man is a question of morality, being good at being a man could be described as a, que- uh, a question of capacity. Jack Donovan uses four amoral virtues. He says strength, courage, mastery, and honor is what constitutes a man being good at being a man. And then he goes on to give explanations of men being good at being men that aren't necessarily good men. But he And he definitely focuses on his book on... What does it mean to be good at being a man? And so I kind of, uh, reading that book and working through study, started to ask the question, well, is the inverse true? Is it possible for a man to be good at, or be a good man, be moral, without having capacity? And I think, th- I think the answer is no. I think the answer is no. You're right, Gabe. Yeah, you're right. Good no. job. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, the only time this week, so. Yeah. So yeah, and and this is and it draws out because you could you could make a couple of examples of how, of how this plays out. One of them is, uh, so you talk about capacity. Let's just say you have the desire to do something good, but you don't like have write the, a book. Like write a book, uh, but you don't have the means to do it. Um, so you know, so the the strength is, instead of strength being the rote concept of how many things can I pick up and put down, um, how quickly with how much weight it's. Let's just say a control of one's environment and oneself. So self-control would be a form of strength. Okay, so if I have the desire to do something good, but I I don't have the capacity for it, I I, I at least know that I really can't claim the virtue of doing the good. Um, Now, within a theological frame, we recognize that no one is good, not one except for God the Father. But... Within this, within the environment that we're talking about, we also recognize that we as individuals are indebted by our creation to seek after the source of goodness, mm-hmm. to do good, especially more so as say as people redeemed, people saved. Mm-hmm. So, it becomes complicated though when we take ourselves and we hamstring ourselves, we make ourselves weak so as to avoid the responsibility of following through with the good that we want to do, and it can sound very grandiose, like. 
um, is, is simply is sim- something as simple as making sure I don't have the ability to perform my duties. I, I don't I uh, don't manage my finances. I don't build myself into being a healthy person. I don't exercise courage in the face of danger. These kind of things sound like good examples, but what I'm really interested in is when we sabotage our own strength so as to avoid the responsibility of doing the good that we know we should do. Mm-hmm. So and we've, we've actually seen a lot of that this last year where a yeah. lot of pastors have kind of should, should be courageous, um, should be standing up. To they, have, they even have like the theological framework right. with which they know how to stand up and be courageous but can't, won't mm-hmm. actually perform. Yes, they refuse to, or and or I think of it even on like individual daily lives, right? You're you're raised. I don't have children, so this is going to fall on deaf ears. But do you make sure that you learn how to teach your children? Are you invested in raising your children? Is a really big question because you could say, well, I don't know how to do it, and then never study and read, mm-hmm. right? Or you know, you could even go into the extent of God commands us to to study His Word. Mm-hmm. How many excuses do we make? that are framed around our individual weakness used as an alibi to avoid the responsibility of doing what we're supposed to do. It reminds me of um, just the theological um, distinctions that we make between justification and sanctification. Uh, Justification, um, we are justified um, by grace alone, by faith alone, without any works at all. But when we are justified, uh, we are born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and that new... Um, nature that we're given is for good works. It necessarily begins to act more and more like Jesus. Um, so we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works, to good works. And they will necessarily come. And if they don't come, we have a very good reason for asking, well, what are you? you know, what kind of tree are you? You will know them by their fruit. Yeah. And if, if you're not yeah. producing the fruit of the Spirit, then do you have the Spirit of God in you? That's, it seems like a similar kind of point that you're making in terms of being a, a good man who then is able to be good at being a man. Exactly. It has to follow necessarily, and if it doesn't, then you're not really a good man. Yeah, I think of like a college student, like a, a man, a young man in college who's training himself, or he's in a trade school, he's training himself to do the good work of providing for his family. Uh, he's do, he's going to do the responsibility of providing for his family, providing for, or just providing for himself. Um, and so, in school, you could even you could imagine a student just being overwhelmed by how hard it is and letting that difficulty conquer him, and then reveling in his own weakness without ever moving past. This is like the soccer flop phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, the LeBron James phenomenon. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I don't sport. Gotta be a better man. Well, you didn't miss anything this last year. So. Can I? I want to. So, right now, it's interesting. The you know, have you been following critical race theory and that whole situation? How it's been popping up on the scene? It's interesting to me now. It's almost become. Um, I know we got to talk about it. I know we got to deal with it. But it's become somewhat of a boring subject um, because everybody is writing about it. I can't tell you how many books are out about the issue of critical race theory now. Um, Two and a half years ago, not really a topic. And then it, the market explodes on what is critical race theory? How do we fight against it? And so it's just, a, it feels like another book is entering the market. Manhood has kind of become that topic too. And so you got a lot of Christians now that are talking how important it is to be a man. When it first started, you kind of had the cool hip pastors who were talking about masculinity, but they were missing some elements of, that needed to go along with it. As you're reading some of these books that have come out on manhood, 
Um, what is it that you're looking at and saying, man, the, you guys are dropping the ball? Because you're not writing this book because you just feel like, oh, everybody's covering the topic. Hey, I feel like I just make me some extra money. It doesn't seem like that's the kind of person you are. So what is being missed that you're like, okay, if we don't get this right, we're going to fall apart? Okay, so take, uh, think of the number of books that you have read uh, uh, regarding Christian masculinity. How many of them start with war literature or war metaphors? All you know? of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost all of there's them. A, there's a battle against men. There's a war being waged against men. And then the, none of the rest of the book is giving you any weapons or tools to fight that war. It's just... Like he, a man. Yeah, yeah here's your... Co- it's, it's, you know what? It, this, Servant leader. <laughs> there's a war against bleep men. That out. Bleep that out. Yeah. He's cussing there's, again. There's a, use that. there's a war against men. Here's coping mechanisms. Uh, right? Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's, all, it's coping mechanisms, mm. right? Oh, you know, oh, the decline of Christian men. There are no good men. Where have all the good men gone? Death of chivalry. All these, all these examples all come together. If you're going to complain or you're going to go out as a Christian leader and say that there is a war against men, you're putting a heavy imperative on that concept. And so when you... You tell, especially young men, that there's a war against men. There's a war against Christian men, it, whether it's a cultural war, whether it's a physical war, whether it's 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 um persecution, spiritual, spiritual war, yeah. spiritual warfare. And then you say, okay, don't fight it, just suffer. <laughs> That's good. Yep, That's don't fight good. it. Don't don't yeah. don't build your churches. Don't build the tr- the men in your church to be strong men. We don't give them the equivalent of like some sort of uh, you know uh, riddling for men, some sort of philosophical riddling. Yeah. to kind of oh, that's good, walk Gabe. This out. That's, can you give him a stinger about no? The, no or, He's lost that. No stingers already. No stingers for yeah. Gabe already. I'm sorry. Comment in the section. Say good work, Gabe. <laughs> Dripology. So then, so then, you're not doing that in your book that you're writing. How do you? What's the other side of that now? What are the tool? What are the things now that you say? Okay, are you starting off your book with "There's a war going on with men"? Uh, n- so, no. Okay, that's not chapter one. <laughs> that's chapter, chapter two. Exactly. <laughs> you, cut, you beat me to the punch. No, uh, chapter two is a is a verbal diatribe talking about the complexities of the problems that we're facing, and basically. Um, if you want to talk about, if you want to tell a story about how grand and big the problem is, I can write a better story about how bad the problem is. Yeah. That's kind of right. not a humble way of saying it, but if you want, it's not hard. To, yeah, to, I mean, yeah. you can write a really beautiful poetic difficulty on how it's just so uh, you know it's it's unfair that men are treated this way when they believe these things, but they're treated that way when they say these things, or if they go to school, they get this, and the government does that, and the army does this, and the military does that, and the my dad, you know, this is trash here at my church, and my pastors don't let me lead, and blah, 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 blah. You can go down forever complaining about just how r- messed up the world is and never get anywhere, mm-hmm. and then again, give them the Ritalin. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it is very bad. Guess what? You're, you're feeling that the world is bad is true. Okay, cool. You're right. Now cope with it. I don't think that's the right answer. So how would you um, kind of maybe back this up for a second? How would you define what a true masculine man is? Kind of what is that definition of what true biblical masculinity is? I know the answer to that. You want some help? Are you going to say Jesus? See, you went to Sunday school too, didn't you? Look at you. Yes. <laughs> I was homeschooled as well. So okay, yeah, yeah, hey. so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in good company. It's a, it's 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 just cheating at this point. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So let's go back to the question: What do I think a biblical man is? What is the definition of like biblical masculinity? 
So we're talking about masculine man. What is um, a good working, functioning definition of what a biblical masculinity is? This this will be a little. This will probably be unorthodox. Well, no, it might be orthodox in its own right. Um, it is a man very capable of violence and even more capable of restraining it. <laughs> I like that title. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's ca- he he understands it. He's capable of it. He has trained his body for it, and he is he is precise and knowledgeable on when and how to use it. And then and and that the thing that inform the so the, the 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 capacity the capability to do something we can exchange violence for success in business or um, controlling a situation. He's capable all the way around. He, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is. It's a man who's capable. A yeah. a, a made man. A a man's man, and not even in the kind of weird cultural sense, but. When you look at a character, uh, you could even take another character like um, Achilles from the movie Troy. He's a very capable character. It's just, again, a metaphor. Um, the main character from Braveheart, William Wallace, like, capable, he's not, imper- he's not imperfect, but you have to start with a man who you're, you build into them capacity, and then the thing that guides their capacity is their morality. You need to, it needs, you need to have both and. So capacity is necessary but not sufficient for morality. If you can't do it, you can't claim it. And then the morality is a humble, and I don't, that's such a horrible way to say it, but a humble slaving of oneself to the will of God, seeking after his goodness. So um, mm. I think I, I agree with um, uh, Part, you, part of the definition. I think if you add those two things together, you get the fullness of it. Actually, yes. So it's yeah. knowing how to wield violence. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't. I don't. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wielding it in full submission yeah. to God for the good of the world, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the, let's let's not try to turn this into a very short bit phrase. I don't think we can do it. But it is a person who a man is a a, a, a biblical man is somebody who. Has built has disciplined himself to have the capacity and disciplined his heart and mind to um, submit that. Submit that. He's, you can't submit something that you aren't in control of. So our our friend David Bonson is actually going to be at the conference. He wrote a good book called Crisis of Responsibility, and um, our our pastor. One of the working definitions our pastor has kind of handed down to us is that masculinity is um, the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Yep. Um, but I like I like kind of adding because in the scriptures you see that that God has made man to be responsible and God has also made man to protect and defend. So you you you're kind of hitting both sides of what masculinity is is that it's it's responsibility and it, and part of that responsibility includes um, fighting well for your family mm-hmm. for the gospel, you know, all submitting that that because um, God has created man with a with, with strength. That's one of the glories of yeah. young men, particularly is strength. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be will. We've all seen it when a man's strength has been wielded to destroy, right? Destroy yep. his wife, yeah, his destroy kids. his kids, yeah. his son, you know, just ruins it all. And, and so submitting that strength to God is when it is, is best utilized. Yeah. I think there's a, there's this term that I've started using and it's not original. It's pulled from fantasy novels, but it's this idea of lycanthropy. Uh, Say it again. Lycanthropy, the idea of like a werewolf, this idea, is men will turn themselves into beasts to free themselves of the responsibility of being men. <laughs> right? Uh, Give me an example of that. Uh, alcoholism. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Pornography. Yeah. Be- beast-like. Yep. Right? Um, or, or, you know, abusive an abusive relationship. But I would think of it as like, um, I, I think alcoholism is a really good example, as in 
you know, in in some ways, it it can be a victimless crime. It's not really a crime, but um, you have a family. There's a certain element to that. Uh, it's it's going to affect the people around you, but you could say, you, I could even say there 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 was a time in personal experience in the sense of um, alcoholism is an escape from the responsibility of thinking, because once you know that you've had too or much fe- or feeling or 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 it yeah and or or your it just produces feeling ad infinitum, and so you know different people different reactions, but you know, if I know that I have a responsibility that requires my the fullness of my conscious effort i know that if i have enough cocktails i can't my mind isn't there i'll have to wait till the morning and try, I'll, I'll have to try tomorrow it's like a proactive pro- pro- procrastination and I, I think the, the what's helpful here in the distinction between capacity versus morality mm-hmm. is that um capacity kind of gets at the fact that we're all born in sin so our our capacity can go any which direction what, what grounds our capacity, it has to be grounded in truth. Yes. And this is why our society, you have macho masculinity, WWF masculinity, and then you have metrosexual, you know, kind of beta male masculinity in all this. But what we're talking about is we're, we're trying to ground, ground masculinity. What is man in the image of God and who he created us to be? That's the metaphysics of man. Well, yeah. One well, of the things I think that connects with what you're talking about, I've thought about some is I think um, men don't usually like to just fail, but when they're failing, they like to try to um, act like they're being heroes while they're failing. And, and I'm going to give you that one. It's the flop. I'm going to give you that one. It's the LeBron me, James flop. That one? That's, that's it's a flop thing again, yeah. but it's like I'm, I'm this sort of like tragic victim of my, yes. of my, uh, my situation and my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we, we create it. Like we do it to ourselves with our sins and with our choices and with our our, our evil instincts, and, and, then we, and then we fall, you know, and make a big, and, and sometimes, you know, I've, I've thought about this before, like, I think, I think men should be strong, they should practice being strong, and they should do things to be physically able to protect and care for their families, but it's easy to sometimes use that as, as an excuse, and so, you know, I think a guy should work on his car, fix your car, learn how to fix your car, but you know what, um, Sometimes you will use that as an excuse for not going in and talking to your wife, because because the car won't talk back to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, your car won't. There's no, there's no <laughs> feedback loop <laughs> there. I mean, He's but, got kid. You, you know, or you go you inside. You know, you'd, you'd rather you know um, go to the gym and work out. And again, not not against working out, but you'd rather do that um, kind of th- than go home and you know uh, change diapers and help with the dishes and spank bottoms, mm-hmm. because that's harder. Than, right. than lifting weights, even though lifting weights feels manly. Working on my car feels manly, right. you know, or whatever. Playing video games, uh, you know, shooting people on the games, watching them. Going movie, hunting, going whatever. Hunting yeah. or fishing, you know, you feel all macho, and, but but are you doing actually? Are you being disobedient with your strength? So uh, the, and there's a an inversion of that uh, that I have a, a story that would be when I was in Ranger Battalion. Um, there was a. F- I, I entered into Ranger Battalion naive, like everybody does. There's no way that you can know what it's like until you're there. It's sort of a realist. It's just it's kind of realism in that sense, and it's not as grandiose as it needs to be. But when you're an 18 year old kid and you end up going to Ranger Battalion, you don't know every all the complexities of what's going to be like. And so, earlier on in my career, I entered a f- I, my kind of my na- my naivety kind of dissolved a little bit. I was met by the reality that. It wasn't all James Bond meets Rambo, and every day is jumping out of planes and doing cool guy stuff. 
There's bureaucratic bloat. It's the military. There's just it, there's all the mm. issues with that. And so um, I became very cynical. And so when you're taking on the kind of heroic sufferer, um, that's what that cynicism was like. Well, it's all. Why should I try? It's all. It's all ruined anyway. It's all bad. It's never gonna. I'm, it's my the success. My success in Ranger Battalion is determined by a team leader who does not agree with my theological beliefs or does not understand what I'm trying to say or insert any number of excuses. What I did when I met it, what, what I what I did when I met this situation was I essentially said I will do the bare minimum and I will stop trying. Because, but you know what? What, what? what will I tell myself every night? Oh, today was a hard day. Right. P- path of path of least resistance, basically, yeah. is what you're getting at. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, it, woe was me. Ranger Battalion isn't what I thought it was. They lied to me. It's not what I thought it was. Or you could, another metaphor for those in college would be, um, you're in college, you live on campus, you don't have a job, you don't have a girlfriend, you don't play sports, mm-hmm. and you're taking 16 credits a semester, and you're not getting your homework done. That's right. But you know what? College is so hard. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how to put up with it. Just the stress. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can, uh, you, you know, culturally speaking. And, and, they're, and they're looking at porn every night. The, or they're playing 13 hours of video games a day. Like, whatever, dude. Like, I get it. You, developing self, self, uh, was it self, self-control is a time-labored process. Yeah. But, and it's not to say that college isn't difficult, but... Are you reveling in building your identity in the difficulty of college, or are you conquering it? Yeah. So how and did I, you, as you were going through this process, did you recognize what was going on with you? Yeah, I had to get, I had to break. I had to break is the easiest way. You had to break. I had to break. It's, it's like, it's just, it's, it, it, the nihilism gave up. It ran out of juice. Yeah. It just broke and like. And what <laughs> happened? How did you get back from that to, okay, I'm going to be a man now? recognizing the contradictions that I was allowing to exist in my life between what I said was true through faith and religion or through Christianity, whether I said, the, you know, the Bible says, mm-hmm. I, I believe that Christ says, do live these ways, say these things, work hard for the glory of God, recognizing that the contradiction that I was living was I was refusing to live, I was, I was refusing to work hard for the glory of God because I was not getting what I wanted out of it, and I wanted recognition and the good life mm-hmm. of being a cool guy. And, and immediate results. A lot yeah. of it's immediate yeah. results, too. It's like, I want to plant the seed, and I want to see the flower tomorrow. I wanted Jesus, the, the phrase that has come to me so often is, I wanted Christ to meet me on my grounds. Okay, let me be a cool guy ranger and get my three and a half deployments and go have all these bad, bad, really cool guy events. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're trying to say badass. Yeah. Yes, yes. You're on Cospaldic. It's okay. Uh, it's, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He was homeschooled. He was homeschooled. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I, I think this is also one of uh, the reasons why it's so important to teach young men to take responsibility. My son, he's seven years old. Um, you know, we're at the stage where we, you know, we bought him some toy uh, guns, and he has his friends over, and they go out and play with the guns, and then his buddy leaves the gun outside. And my, my, you know, uh, encouragement to him, my um, exhortation to him is I don't care who left the gun outside. You're responsible. I, you're responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And to ingrain that because, you know, um, I kind of went through a, a lot of what you went through um, for, for years, um, kind of processing that. And, and God is kind, sanctification, you know, all the, way, all the way through. But it wasn't until, you know, after, you know, for the longest time I wanted to play NBA basketball. Um, my college career ended up in junior college, and that was it. And and so I'd wrapped up my whole identity in this basketball world, and I had no, I didn't know anything outside of basketball. And then I go start 
framing building houses in Colorado and I wasn't that good at that and I didn't like that and and then I went to University of Idaho and I hated that and <laughs> you know it's not uh, about but, you Gabe come but on what really what really got to me was I realized I'm like I'm not taking re- a big yeah. deal if I'm not that good at basketball anymore or I'm getting outplayed I'm not strong or I'm not good at framing houses what really got me was I'm I'm kind of making excuses. And one of the verses, and uh, I'll never forget this, in 2002, I moved to Moscow, Idaho. I started going to University of Idaho, and the old habits start coming in your mind. Some, you know, I don't, I don't like school. I'm not good at school, you know. And, and then um, I read, I think it's Luke chapter, chapter 16, I think verse 11, where it says, you know, be, be faithful and little, and he will give you much. Mm, and so I remember, like, for like the, that, those three years in college, that was like my life verse, you know, <laughs> because I'd, it, it, I'd been so bad at being faithful and little. And and mm. um, and we had but, to practice, right? You had yeah, to practice. I had to practice. Yeah. And but part of what was going on there was God was teaching me what it meant to take responsibility. Fathers um, can really do this really easily with their sons too. And and one of the few things that fathers will let their sons go because they see that they're being hypocrites themselves. And instead of saying, "Oh my goodness, he's acting like me," mm-hmm. uh, I need to go repent. <laughs> yes, sir. I need to go repent. Or or take your son and, by the arm and say. We, we need, need to, to go, repent. Yes, absolutely. I, I know you're doing this because I do but this. That's, but Let's go get even, your toy gun together. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right, you know. That's what I, yeah. I know. That's so real. So, and that, so that's one of the ways that I think that um, God has been working with me at in the same way. is like, okay, that's your boy, so you're responsible for him. He's not just responsible for the gun. You guess who's going outside with him? Now, <laughs> now speaking about manhood and guns being left Wait, outside. I wasn't done. I was I was going to ask him about Afghanistan, but go ahead. Well, that's what I was going to ask him about. Oh, I like but this, I want to like do this it. transition. I better. think my transition was going to be more. No, natural. he said. Trust he me, said. Speaking of, mine was going to be way better. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me do mine real quick. Okay, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Okay, okay. Um, you served. Yes. And I want to say thank you. I don't want to be trite about that, and I want to tell a little story uh, along with that. Thank you for serving. I mean that yeah, very much. Amen. And I didn't understand how how thankful I was until I started watching what happened at nine eleven, um, when the towers hit. The firefighters and police officers, those men went up 80-something floors to go get people out and kept going up, knowing that they were about to die, and got people out and saved their lives. And it hadn't hit me what kind of person has to be wired that type of way to put themselves, to to have a love for their their friend and neighbor. No greater love than a man lay down his life for his friend, right? And to watch that happen... It blew my mind, and I just want all my friends that I know that serve. I just want to say thank you because sometimes us guys think, oh, I'm tough. I can do stuff." No, you can't. You ain't. Some of y'all ain't wired like that. Don't even act like you are. Don't even. You ain't on that level. You can play with your gun all you want. You ain't wired like that. Because when stuff starts happening, I know you, Halo. you will buckle. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of guys did on that day, but some guys didn't. And you know, and praise God for that. So thank you for serving. So I just wanted to see his transitions all- better than <laughs> yours. Definitely. I, mean, I, I, I was going to draw the the connection between leaving guns outside and us leaving all the guns in Afghanistan. Ooh. <laughs> can we put those together? <laughs> we can put those together. <laughs> and I, think, la- I and think Biden la- needs to go out there. And- uh, somebody needs to tell Biden that he left the gun out. <laughs> he ain't my daddy. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> he left night vision out. <laughs> oh, you tied it back to that. That was that good. Is, that is a cardinal sin. Yeah. Night vision sin. goggles. No, no. Okay, we have this advantage. Not anymore. No. You know, well, some of the things that I've heard about that are some some of my friends are saying, listen, um, for, from the guys who've served over there that I've heard is like, listen, don't blame us necessarily for that. It was the Afghanis who had it. 
blame us for not supporting them in a, in a good enough way so they can maintain that because we were a lot of ways their support. We were the ones who were feeding them ammo. We were servicing their planes and their helicopters. And so we didn't support them in a way that would allow them to keep fighting in, um, in a particular manner that would you know, challenge the rivals. You can take this in two different directions. One, okay. we try to support them like they were a, a modernized Western country. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Uh, so I, yeah. what is a principle of modern Western country? Private property. Responsibility for your property. Yeah. It's not the same. That's a Christian idea. Yeah. It, it is founded in a Christian belief. Absolutely. So, you, you know, you have what you have the first issue with Afghanistan is you have a cultural difference that mm. um, let's just even take American or Western, West, like America as the West or even just the Taliban compared to. They're not the same people. They don't have the same values. They don't value the same things on a metaphysics level. Mm. So it's not just, well, I think it's not good to hit people, and you think it's not good to hit people. And then we have difference on what constitutes hitting people. Our fundamental understanding of the value of human life is founded in something different. So what do you mean... uh, yeah, so the metaphysic level, break that down a little more for me. So, yeah, like we, here, here's an example of a physics question. Mankind is, ma- a human body is made out of, what, 70% water and protein and carbon and all this kind of stuff. Mine's muscle. Mm, yep. But. Yep. However, where does the value of human life come from? Imago Dei. Yeah, that's yep. right. Right, so we viewed, you could see that many American soldiers viewed even the Afghans, Afghan people that they were going, they were fighting against, they still viewed them as people. Image of mm. God. Image yeah. of God. Yep. Yeah. So, so that, and that's something that is not popular in a video sense. Because you, you know what? It's, 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 it's tragic when you see a, a, a soldier holding an Afghan baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of images and, like and that. You see things like that, and that's, that's touching. But... Part of that is also not just the emotional reaction that the man saw when he saw a child. Um, for 20 years, you saw Americans doing that with everyday Afghans, where they had to make the conscious decision, am I going to make this shot? I have the advantage. He may not even know I'm there. Mm. And I, I have to make the conscious decision. And so, um, you know, that, that, was a, that, that is something that is very quickly skipped over. So what would be the Taliban view of kind of, um, met the metaphysics tell human, human life. Their value, they do not value human life the same way we do. I'm not going to speak as a Taliban theologian, but my experience with the my experience with a lot of, with these these the more combatant fighters is they viewed sort of a holiness aspect. They are condescending by doing something, doing violence onto other people. It was it was there was a, a caste system division. They do not believe that all men are created equal. There and this is a it's it was it was a cultural difference, but it's just it's not a neutral cultural difference. Uh, it uh, had weight. I would add a, another angle to that because Allah is all powerful, and so um, the Taliban, I I believe they grabbed their metaphysics from power, and, and so that's that's where domination, domination, power. So and the critical so race theorist. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's, oh. that's very much that's good. No. Islam means submission. Right. Right. It means submission because it's it's a top down metaphysics, and that's it's how a, you it's can a top get down jihad. theology. Well, and, that, and that's what yeah, jihad, holy war. It's all power. It's it, holiness is subjugation. But not to be, not to be even too critical. So we are slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. Mm-hmm. So there is still submission. It's submission to what? To the triune God, though. Yeah. The triune mm-hmm. God is not a monad where it's just sort of top down, straight down. 
the triune God is Father, Son, and Spirit. It's one God in a unity of persons, a, a community of persons of, of love. God is love. And so God's lordship is lordship. Mm-hmm. And there is, he is omnipotent, all-powerful. But his power is expressed in love. Which includes submission, which includes sacrifice, yeah. which includes yeah. the, what makes us human. There's, to the point that he lays down his life. But, but, a, but, a, but a, a monad, a Unitarian God, doesn't, it, he has to take love into himself. He's not, he's not essentially love. You can't say Allah is love. Allah is just will. It, it's, it's, a, it's a singularity. And then if, there are, if there's love or kindness, it's an add-on. Yeah, like like the like the the uh, substance substanceless macho man and the very and the the very beta male. You could even go like the was it the Chad and the Virgin jokes on on on, on the internet, right? <laughs> I missed it. Well, whatever. Uh, I you, was reading my Bible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on your phone. <laughs> True memes. Uh, so, but just like the like the hyper, not, we're not going to use hyper masculine, but we're going to talk about this like caricature of the of the of the macho man and the soft. Um, I'm not. I'm not even going to use effeminate, but just like the weak man are both shadows of what a good man is. Allah is a mere shadow of who God is. Yeah, yeah he's sure. a shadow of yeah. him. He, he it yeah. is God minus certain traits. Yeah. Every religion has to borrow from Christianity. Right. Now, they might, they, they're usually borrowing one or two things, and, of course, it's a car- caricature of it. And the Allah, um, the all-powerful God, he's, he's borrowing power, but that's all he can borrow. I don't think they're borrowing it. I think, they're, I think what you're getting is you're, you're getting somebody, you're getting, you take the triune God and you subtract all the parts you don't like. Yeah. Just like um, in good theology, you read the Bible and subtract all the parts you I don't like. I get it. It's like making your own idol. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So it's like Potato Man. Oh, you know, I don't but, but the thing, <laughs> you know, all the, the, all those Potato God. But the thing is, but the th- I mean, one thing, one of the things that's been on display in this whole Afghan crisis has been the um, the utter impotence of secularism and materialism. So yeah. so so we yes. we've gone in there, sort of assuming certain kinds of Christian assumptions, like you're saying, like the Imago Dei, and 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 you know treating people with dignity, and maybe assuming that they would have a, they could have a modern nation state, democracy, and so on, that they would value private property, individuals, and so on. But fundamentally, we were trusting in the gods of secularism and and like this That's right. secular yep. democracy yeah. that, that was going to bring freedom to Afghanistan. But what we have seen is the utter failure of those gods and the fact that Allah is a more powerful god than secularism. Yeah, so you can Allah just ran roughshod over secularism. At this point, and women's time. studies at the at University the, women, yeah. of Kumbh. Yeah. Um, that is secular. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is, right. That's what it is. So you, so you can take the, the, what's gone on in Afghanistan, and there's kind of three different parts that we're going to deal with on what we're looking at in a situation. One is that Afghanistan is a failed state. We have to start there and remember that that's what it is. It's not a successful, burgeoning, growing society. It wasn't before we came there. It isn't after we've been there. It wasn't while we were there. It's not a, it is not a self-sustaining country. And there are, there are multiple reasons for it. I mean, you're dealing with a very tribalistic society, a very non-individualistic society. I mean, there's, there's, there's other issues to it. Right. But then you've got to go back and look at the American military, specifically how the leadership operated. And they were more concerned with what CNN was going to write about them than they were about winning the war. Wow. So, so you, they're more worried about, uh, look at, look at, I mean, look at the, 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 the high profile generals that were fired over the last 10 years. Were any of them fired for military failures? No. Were all, what, how did they lose their jobs? Political failures. You know, all I keep hearing 
is being at the Southern Baptist Convention and all of the things that I kept hearing from the stage is the world is watching. And all they kept were concerned about is how the secular media was going to be writing about Washington them. Times. CNN. And, that, and that it's the same sort of narrative. It's like, it's, go ahead. Yeah, no, this is my shout out to Vice News. I'm waiting on my hit piece so I can be a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it with us, we're going to take so much pride in that. <laughs> like, like, if it's, they're like, we saw you on Cross Politics. Do it, Vice. Yes. Yeah. You are you are you you know you've made it when Vice News does a does a hit piece on you calling you you know a um, a germ, World War Two German bad guy. <laughs> so oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Hey. Where is the where is the masculine failure though in how we've been operate how our leaders have been operating when it comes to Afghanistan? Where is that at? I think uh, us as a culture needs can can actually gain more by taking a step back and not just putting it on the heads of the leaders. Well, yeah, we're responsible. Do they escape? No. Right. Will they? Right. Should they be held accountable? Absolutely. How do we hold them accountable? How do we hold them accountable? We pay attention to what they should be accountable for. If your job mm. is if you are if you're if you are in the military and you're a an officer and your primary objective is not to win the war, but to not to win the conflict, not to figure out how to ethically and completely defeat the enemy. Rather, you're more concerned about whether or not you're going to get another book deal, whether or not you're going to look good on CNN, whether or not Nancy Pelosi is going to write a personal hit piece about you because we're pretty sure she's still literate. Not sure. Um, so, verdict that out. Yeah, but but see the point. I mean, the point that I'm saying is like it starts from. Even the individuals. Now, we'll take Afghanistan as a really good example. Is Joe, is, should Joe Biden be held responsible for what happened in Afghanistan? Absolutely. Yeah. He said the buck stops here. He admitted defeat or fault. Fine. We can move on. I don't want to get political with him because it's just pointless. It's, it's just dry. Don't care. Is it his Saigon? Don't care. It's just a useless argument. Rather, um, okay, so when we left Afghanistan, who was in charge of all those materials? You had generals, captains. Team leaders, squad leaders, platoon sergeants, privates, individuals. It does not take a the it does not take an act of Congress for an individual to say, "Oh, we're b- abandoning this base prematurely. This is a bad idea. We should destroy this." Right? It does, that's. I mean, I'm not saying that they always had the opportunity to do it, but. Even even if it would it would have been a crisis better averted if a if a if a military private who was on his first deployment scared out of his life some found the courage and said you know what we probably shouldn't leave night vision to the Taliban. I, I was that was the question I was actually asking is how many of them um, threw up flares and said you know went to their superior and said I don't I don't think this is going to go well we we should we should. Um, not leave this here. We should scuttle this. Well, that's, Whatever. That, that's my question. Can can they? I mean, I guess America's used to taking stuff that's not theirs in some ways, but can they destroy <laughs> stuff that's not theirs? I, I mean, it, it, what's the point? I, I guess it, when you're looking at the grander picture, what's the point? If it's not their equipment anymore, right? The, is if the you're equipment they, they gave it to the Afghan army? But then, then then don't you get painted as they completely just destroyed the only defenses that Afghanis had to fight against the Taliban. But but here's here's where I think did we did, did we dist- did we leave American equipment for the Taliban to seize or did we leave equipment that we had given to the Afghan National Army and then they turned it over to the Taliban? Those are two different right. Well, and I, I think, think that's, what th- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But we- here's the problem with nation building, which is what we got into. <laughs> yeah. Which is what we got into. What happens is is you actually develop a paternal relationship with that country. The Afghan army could not function it becomes without state. daddy, yeah, sure. right? And that's what happened. So we got paternal with a 20-year war in Afghan, and then but daddy pulled out. But it's bad fatherhood. It, bad, horrible fatherhood. 
And so, uh, and, and on top of that, no one took responsibility. No, no, Daddy didn't take responsibility for Afghan. Yep. So you look at you look at the Afghan exfil or the American exfil from Afghanistan, yeah. and and you're drawing this really good. You're drawing this this kind of metaphor, this macrocosm. Well, actually, Afghanistan being the microcosm of America as a whole is the macrocosm. Mm. Um, what you saw was Americans impotently continue on in their war, neither willing to quit nor continue, neither mm. willing to win the war as in to fight. And, bring and the still war. wanting to be heroes. And still wanting to be heroes. Oh, and, wow. You know, and, and there's the, the, it, it's, that's a criticism that's going to be pretty harsh. And I know it, it, and it, instead of, in, if, it, in, if I can make it not fall on deaf ears, it was, it was in the individual decisions of the nation as a whole mm-hmm. where we said, well, I don't really want to leave, but I don't really want to stay. I don't want to finish what we're spo- we came here to do, but I don't, I don't really want to be embarrassed enough to leave. And, you know, fine, we'll throw Biden under the bus and get out of the country. And oops. Well, and Joe Biden, I mean, he declared victory. I remember after they pulled everybody out or pulled some of everybody out, he posted on Facebook and said, this was amazing what we did, what we accomplished. We, we, we saved 120,000 people. And so what we're, saying my, I mean, is, my, what we're saying is Joe Biden represents as well. That's, yeah. that's what they, right. And I want to get yeah. to that. So then where is that? Where's the, the mirror image of that inside of American culture? What have we done that with here that is paralleling to that over there? What, where haven't we? Well, I, right. But I mean, if yeah. that's true. I mean, well, I mean, we talked about this before on the show is that we've created a welfare country. And so people now can't function. 2020 happens and people don't know how to do things on their own. And so the government has to tell you not to go to work. Right? Wear a here's, mask. Here's a really good dig then. Um, so you said you brought it up with how we treated Afghanistan as a country. We went in um, and we treated the Afghanis like critical race, tre- uh, critical race theory treats people. You're not capable unless I give you the means. Uh, you're not capable unless I look at the Afghan people would be successful if we just gave them the means. Are you gonna give them a, oh, there you go. You got oh, he gets it. <laughs> Bars. There you go. Bars. But so, so if you want to see the, the, the military manifestation of critical race theory, if you want to see what General Mark Milley brings to the table. Preach, preach up. <laughs> Look at Afghanistan. It's like, okay, we're going to critical race theory the crap out of your country. Mm. Right? Oh. And I got you. Mm. You're preaching. Okay, all right. I got some more. Keep, you go. If you're going to keep preaching, I got to I, I, I can keep going. Okay, go keep going. But So now when we bring that home, look at the mindset that we can look at that microcosm that of, of how America treated Afghanistan, and we can apply that to our own lives, and we can look at maybe we're leaders in a church. Maybe we're fathers. Maybe we are... We are leaders in our, our company. Maybe we're employees at our company. Maybe we're students at school. Wherever you're at, you can look at that and say, when you treat people as ends justify the means and all they need is equity of resources, you will get Afghanistan. Mm. And, and you're, hey. you're, you're seeing that in Black Lives Matter and Antifa because those are all power plays. Yeah, yeah I, just, I, I would say, that, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're might makes right ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're might, might, might makes right ideas. But it's they're not it's and they're not entirely unconnected. I mean, there's I mean, there's a there's a philosophical connection. I don't even there's probably even personal connections between Black Lives Matter and um, communism, Marxism. That's China, what, Russia. Yep. What, and and then you know and even critical theory, Islam, 
and you know Taliban, uh, you know Al Qaeda, ISIS. I mean, what 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 the Taliban and Black Lives Matter agree on is that the their their suffering as a people is purely um, the result of America, the white patriarchy. It could be the white, pa- but they're going to say America. This you have the sixteen nineteen project. It might as well be the Declaration of Independence of t- the Taliban. Christian white males. It's yeah. funny because they're not following in the tradition of of a lot of historical black men that are loved, like Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was, this was happening in the abolition movement. They were the ones who are ripping up the Constitution at some of their meetings. And Frederick Douglass is like, whoa, y'all going too far. There are things in here that we believe that are true that we're not living up to that doesn't mean this is something that we should be ripping up. If anything, we should say let's repent and go back to the truths that we believe that that we all committed to, that equal. all men are created equal. That is where we have our anchor in the moral conscience of our American brothers and sisters. And so so when I hear like BLM and those guys like that, I'm thinking, y'all have strayed far away from your forefathers. You've forgotten the face of your fathers as it relates to the whole concept and issue. Well, you, okay, so the, the, the unifying subject is on a metaphysical level, the commonality is a pressure and oppressed and oppressed narratives. Yeah. Power. I am not. I, I am not original in this. You, you could. You, you could listen to Jordan Peterson. You could listen to thou- years and years and decades and decades and centuries of people writing, making this same criticism that when you perceive the world fundamentally as oppressor and oppressed, you will end up with this kind of result. You will end up the the the. And so, do not be surprised when you hear the preaching of ISIS K or you hear you hear the preaching of these organizations that we understand to be terrorist organizations when they resemble the language of the people state speaking in our own country do not be surprised when you have when 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 chap not i'm not saying black lives matter as an organization as a whole but when elements within black lives matter become sympathetic to the cause of the of of, of the taliban and and this is why uh, you know the power structural plays are um, inherently revolutionary plays you know, uh, Black Lives Matter doesn't want to appeal to all men are created equal. Frederick Douglass. They just want to tear it down. They just want to tear it Burn down. Burn it down. You don't want to appeal to a standard that was that are a, a truth that our nation was founded on that all men were created equal. You want to tear it down. You want to obliterate it. You want to reinterpret it through the 1619 Project, as opposed to what we want as Christians. We want reformation. We don't want revolution. We don't want to tear things down. We want the gospel to break us. We want the truth of God's word to break us and build us up in truth and not in power. Yeah. All of this is what we're talking about when we talk about the politics of sex. This is why we're here this weekend in Lebanon, Tennessee. We're ta- when we talk about the politics of sex, we're talking about the political public ramifications of the sex that God gave you. Yeah. Your, your masculinity, your manhood, your womanhood in the image of God is potent. It's powerful. It's not just for your home. It is for your home. It's for your church, yes, but it's for your community. It's for your world. And I, I think this has been a really, really helpful um, uh, sort of genealogy of, of, like, I mean, you know, what, what is wrong with our world? We are. Yeah, yeah. We are right. what's wrong with this world. Right. We, 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 need, we need men and women to take responsibility for who God has made them to be and humbly use the gifts and the glory that God has given them to walk humbly before him in submission to him. And, and that is huge. It's potent. It's powerful. Yeah, so an example of not taking responsibility is, believe, is, is what we were talking about earlier, wanting to have the virtue of doing what is good without having the capacity, without having the responsibility of the capacity. 
Yep. So it's so this is this is a concept, right? We talked we, uh, back to my book, Shameless Plug, that isn't out. So it's coming now. Yeah. No, I What's got it a, called? Can weak men be good? Oh, okay, great. Okay, good. Yeah. We started off there. We, we yeah. did start off there. I was yeah. uh, listening. You I were. I said no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but so yeah, so you have this example, right? What what you take a person, a man. We'll just use a man as an example. Says, um, well, and he does. He won't probably say it to himself in so many words, but he constructs his life in such a way that he desires the virtue of being a good man without building himself the capacity. Well, we also have learned something very. We've learned something else about. Men and not 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 to say no less mankind as a whole. We can produce in ourselves the feeling of doing something without actually doing it. <laughs> we can produce in ourselves the feel VR. <laughs> the, the, the VR. Yeah, that we can produce in ourselves. This is going to get dark. Uh, the feeling of being good without actually doing it. And we actually have a term for creating in ourselves the feeling of something that isn't that thing. It's uh, you could say oh in a bougie way simulacrum, but it's masturbation. Mm-hmm. Yep. We are produ- we are producing in ourselves the feeling. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Bars, okay. Preach, preacher. <laughs> we are producing it ourselves. Knox, Knox was like, oh, "Okay, I, I got it." Yes, I got it. Yes, uh, yeah. picking up what I'm rhyming, light, light, light. rhyming yeah. around. It's yeah. completely empty. It's completely false. Yep. Well, that's fruitlessness. Exactly. So, so when you when so and we're we're seeing this within culture as well, um, especially within if you even look at like nursing and medical uh, reports. With the advent of internet pornography and the proliferation of masturbation in the United States, it's not like it never was there before. Blah 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 blah. But we can we can agree at least that it's it's not even hit the Pareto distribution. It went from like a thing to an everyday thing, uh-huh. right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, in the in even in the in the in the eighties movies, you could laugh about your dad's smut co- smut collection, which is still gross. But now it's like, yeah, one out of every hundred men does not regularly use porn. Or something like that. It's not that far off. And so, what does masturbate like? Especially when you get into like, not cr- not clinical, not critical. Um, uh, it's chronic masturbation. Chronic. It produces impotence, mm-hmm. right? So now you have men who, young men who have spent their entire life inundated by porn, and they want to be free of it. They, they it burdens them, and they, for whatever reason, you could you could you can go down that road. They get married, and they're and they will struggle in their marriage because they have spent their entire life with the simulacrum, the masturbation of that. And now wow. apply that same concept to morality. So you spent your entire uh-huh. life masturbating your sense of morality because you're an activist, because you just want to bring awareness. There's no change. There's no substance. The ACLU will never go away because the moment it solves this problem, it's obsolete. So when you and, and this goes for a lot of these veteran charities as well. If you you know, maybe ask yourself the question: If we're really talking right now about 22 veterans committing suicide a day, which the government is probably okay with because it's easier than dealing with you. And, oh. oh. Okay, you just go. Okay, he's gonna stop right there. I, I, I yeah, think, I know, right? I think um, Sila. So many, so many churches are this. Yeah, right. So many. I mean, I, I think twenty twenty has been actually such a gift from God. Yep. Because a lot of these churches closed down, because because they because they were only going through the motions. They were not actually meeting with God. What they were doing was was having. Um, Worshipful spiritual spiritual masturbation. It, it was emotional. Um, you know, come in here, turn the lights down. We'll turn the lights down. We'll get the guitars going. Um, we'll we'll get the beat. You'll have that spiritual orgasm in the, in the dark. Machine. It, yep. Yeah, and and you and and people think that is 
they've met God. Yeah, when you feel bad about your life, snuggle up to Jesus because he'll cuddle you like a little boy. Because, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. you know, like... I, and, and thankfully, because they weren't really meeting with God, they weren't really ready for the battle. So and, they just stopped. And when the government said you have to stop, they all stopped like the beta males that churches that yeah. they were. Like Andy Stanley, Rick Warren, J.D. Greer. <laughs> Govern me harder, Daddy. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> you, can, you can make the same claim with gun control. You can make the exact same claim. Oh, these rights make will it. defend. Uh, well, these it. rights will defend. Like, you know, this is, this is uh, the Second Amendment declares uh, that I have the right to keep uh, and bear arms. So long as I have to pay a $200 tax stamp and then the ATF can arbitrarily determine that whatever I have is now this but not that. And there's no recourse. There's no recourse of grievances. There's no back. Like, I'm, th- there are people who make the argument that we should just go to mass noncompliance. There's an argument to be made there. But we didn't get here overnight like that. No, we didn't get here overnight because we spent 30 years of, we spent 60 years, 80 years, like, um, uh, oh, yeah, like Mastre was saying, you know, the foundation of, of gun controls and racism. I, I, yeah. I've been saying that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think if, if we're going to start, um, would you say mass? Uh, uh, noncompliance? Noncompliance. We need to start with the biggest gun God's given us. Which is worship. That's right. Amen. Amen. So Amen. We, well, if we're going to start mass noncompliance, we need to start with gathering as God's people, worshiping God every Lord's Day. You should start in your own home by being Amen. faithful to your wife, by keeping your marriage vows, by loving your children, by raising them in the Lord, by getting them out of the government schools. Yep. I mean, start there. In the areas that you have. Mass noncompliance. In the areas that you have sovereignty over. Exactly. Where are you sovereign that you and, can operate yeah. in. And so, I don't care if you don't tell them where your guns are. <laughs> What guns? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Please don't tell I, me either. So I, I want real quick before we go. I really want to take take three things. Take three areas. One of the things that we talk about is education a lot, and and the reason is because we're trying to say where are the areas that we can operate in that are easiest accessible to us that we have control over. It's our families. So we can't just say, oh, what kids. am I going to do? What right, am I going to do? Because the, the problem is massive, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't engage it. Yeah, I mean, how much power do I have against the bureaucracy of the state? I don't have Very much. As right. One, as one uh, so, so, give, so give like three areas of ways for us to engage that are actually useful and effective that most people look at and says, oh, that's kind of mundane. Is that really going to work? feasible. That are feasible. Yeah. yeah, strategic and feasible. Okay, so one of them is going to be... Um, <clears throat> If you call yourself a Christian and you believe that the Word of God is the Word of God and you want to use this as an example, you have an, a disease and that book has the cure for that disease, but it's written in a language that you don't understand. Would you not spend the rest of your living days trying to figure <laughs> out reading that book? Bars. Amen. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a metaphor. You're talking it? about the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> I am talking. Good job, Gabe. Texas in the house. Aren't you, <laughs> the obvious. Aren't you a that's, pastor? That's two answers. That's two answers. He's a deacon. Right. He's a deacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the disdain. You can pray for us. Yeah, right. Uh, so this, is the, I, I, I have to now. <laughs> now that I know you, I guess I have to. Um, indebted by my creation. So the second part. So that one, that first one is, it is, it is, it is, pursue knowledge especially the knowledge of the holy, as if your life depends on it. Because you say it does, but do you act as if it does? Mm, that's really good. Look for, for that, con- look, look for that consistency. That's good, bro. And you will, find, you will find inconsistencies in your life. Mm-hmm. I, we all do. And, and you're penitent. And it's funny yeah. because that act, you, you don't even have to go anymore. I, mean, you, I would like you to go two more. But the truth is, is that reads you. Mm-hmm. So it reads you better than whatever other points that you're actually going to give because it knows, the Holy Spirit knows how to search the deep parts of you and fix that. But if you're not in the word of God, 
you're not going to get the cure that you need. That's really good. The Bible reading challenge to the word that get in that. So, um, and the second one is something that I don't get to state out of personal experience, but I get to state out of watching uh, some relatives of ours. Um, so uh, I've got family that have homeschooled their children. They've moved. He has given up career. She's, she, she's a stay at home mom, but though they are the example that I look to when I, my, as my wife and I are, are looking at having children in the future and we're asking ourselves these questions and figuring it out. He's a guy that I look at and say, that's the example of a man who treats his children like they're his children. Not, mm. they're not the children of the state. Right, so when you're treating, mm. so the second one is the, the, our children are the future. You can read all the communist literature you want to say you want about how they figured out that if they had the, the minds of the youth, yep. they had the minds of the future. The fascists knew this, the communists knew this, the, the critical race theorists know this. Our government schools know Our this. Our government schools know this. So even if you're in a situation where you do send your child to a state school, you are that child's primary path to the future. You pass on your values. You pass on your values that's more important than the education because reading and writing and arithmetic is not what they're learning in schools. They're learning critical race theory, anger against the... Values. Parents. Yeah, they're learning, right? And so it is your... If they are truly your children, treat them as if they were your children, as if it was that you are my child, I will pass on my values. Uh, so that's the second one. Bring and them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, yep. right? Yep, yep. It Fathers, is. yeah. So, and this is something that I, I I can only say from experience. My father did it to me. I'm watching my brother-in-law do it to his children. Mm, they're God, they're inspiring examples. So, our children truly are the future, and they will look to us. They will look to our generation as examples of how to fight against the tyranny. And quickly, I just want to add to that. Um, I think it's First Corinthians seven. I think it's First Corinthians seven, where it talks about the believing spouse sanctifying the unbelieving spouse. And, and Paul's letting out this uh, context of relationship and, and that God sanctifies the unbelieving spouse. But the purpose that he does is so that the seed would be made holy because they belong to the Lord. That's God's seed. Give them a godly education. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. no, and you asked for three points, and the last one is just going to be the short answer. Don't masturbate your faith. Mm. I know it sounds simple. It's it's catchy. It's phrasy. It's going to make people go, ooh, that's Don't cringy. put it on a T-shirt because I don't think everybody's going to know what it means. But... Yes. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yeah. Like just it, it, but li- live it. Actually live it. Actually be a Christian. Don't talk about it. Don't dream about it. Do it. Be it. Yeah. Don't don't complain about don't complain about to your pillow every night about how hard it is. Like yeah. we should revel in. We I mean we have the we have the old the the New Testament church to see as examples of people who said it is more important that I do right by the Lord yeah. that it is more important that I build in myself strength and conviction so that when I am faced with trials and tribulations I can stand up against to it yeah. and take that seriously as opposed to endlessly complain about it they will hate you because you are good right. <laughs> they will hate you because you are good if these if you are dealing with and have discernment when if you are in a conversation you are in an environment where they dis- despise you because you are good, the proper response may not be to try to debate them intellectually. Jesus says rejoice and be glad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm-hmm. Discipline yeah. your hands for war and your mind for Christ. Yeah. Okay, how do we follow you and see what you're up to and what you're doing? Right now, the easiest place to find me is going to actually be on Instagram. I am currently a... Um, it, online kind of anomaly. I don't have a huge. I, I haven't built a huge presence right now. But okay. you can find me on Instagram at at foxrow f o x r o e underscore official. Okay. At, at foxrow official, and then 
my writing on firearms and all that you can find on Recoil Web and Off Grid Web. We have to talk about firearms next time. Can would you come back on and talk about? That? I love that. I can do that. Yeah. That'd be yeah. great. You Make sure we get those vision? websites thrown I up. I do. On the I can bring yeah. some night vision. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Want to see those night vision goggles? Yeah, I, I can. Mm, I feel like that was I mean, we are we are under light, so. Yeah. <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until Thursday, the conference starts. Right. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. Cheers. Oh, wow. oh, oh, Thank great. you to our studio audience outside in the backyard in Tennessee. And our great host. Yeah. Do you know where you're going to be at September 9th through 11th? I do. You're going to be in Lebanon, Tennessee at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference on the politics of sex. Okay. All right. Well, do you know why you're going to be in Lebanon, Tennessee at the politics of sex conference? I just Country music center of the world. No, no, because if we don't get God's design ordered rightly in our lives, you know, male, female, family, culture, marriage, you know, the the politics of sex, what we're talking about. If we don't get this right. Well, we're going to get what we got right here, right now, in this culture, which is hell-bent on destroying itself. Yeah, you know right. why else you're going to go? Why? Vody's going to be there. Hey! David Bonson, Pastor Doug Wilson. Yes. You guys going to be there? I'm going to yes. be there. Uncle Gary's going to be there. C.R. Wiley's going to be there. Ben Merkel's going to be there. Everybody, she That's more than Fab Five. <laughs> We got SWAT talks all day Saturday. I mean, everybody from the Fight Life East Network is going to be there. Oh, and I'm looking forward to the psalm singing, the ruckus psalm singing, and the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Whoa. No? We're not doing that? No, no. We're not not doing that? Next conference. Go to (laughs) flfnetwork.com, click on events, and register. Now, there's also a link down in the show notes. Just go down there, scroll down, find it. It's right around there somewhere. What if we have a translator for the tongues? No. 